Hello, brewery fanatics, and welcome back to another episode of Brewery Travels. I'm your host, Joel Geyer, otherwise known as Brewery Travels on social media. And this week, we are traveling to the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And as always, I have two amazing guests with me, Peter and Tara. And so why don't we get the ball rolling by both of you kind of introducing yourself, uh, just kind of give a little introduction into what got you into beer and how you're part of the beer community, Tara. Um, let's see. I'm assuming you don't want the long answer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Whatever answer you want to give me. We'll be here a long time. Um, so just to give a couple of highlights, I'm a, a beer journalist. I'm the author of A Woman's Places in the Brew House, A Forgotten History of Alewives Brewsters, which is in CEOs, which is the first book to chronicle the 200,000 year old history of women in beer. Um, I've lived in the Philly area for almost 20 years now. Um, I've written for tons and tons of publications here, both locally, nationally, internationally about beer. Um, I do marketing, beer-related marketing. I teach some beer classes at the college level. Um, and how did I get into beer? Well, it all started. First, there were the dinosaurs. No, um, uh, I used to sneak sips of my dad's Budweiser when I was a toddler, to be honest. <laughs> and then um, in the 90s, I got into craft beer, um, going to college in Boston, and then, um, you know, just have loved it ever since, really value the industry for um, its unique, excellent qualities, and, and wanted to, you know, focus my journalism on it to be able to um, highlight those, those benefits. Yeah, for sure. That's also one I mean in growing, you know, 90s Boston, you know, that was from, from a craft movement. You know, you had two kind of Boston, Har Boston Beer Company, Harpoon. So you had some pretty good options there in the early movement of craft beer. And uh, Peter, what about yourself? Well, yeah, I'll do the short version, too, although I, I've got a little longer in the tooth than Tara. But uh, yeah, I mean, I got involved in the 80s uh, and the Philadelphia brewing scene in the 80s was pretty exciting. Um, I had my first anchor steam in San Francisco in the eighties. And that was like a revelation. My goodness, there's flavor in beer and it was fabulous. Um, and really probably what made the difference for me was uh, going to see Michael Jackson, the beer hunter, not the, not the artist. Uh, Michael Jackson did a, a series of things called book and cook, which was a kind of a, a food and beverage event that was put on uh, in Philadelphia in the late eighties and early nineties. And I would go, to these beer tastings and this very articulate man from England would tell wonderful stories about beer and the history of beer and the background and the origins and everything. And I got really excited about it and maybe the beer helped, but uh, so I started getting involved in the local beer scene. And that was back when, um, you know, my Tom Peters started monks and some of these other iconic things I'm sure we'll chat about. And uh, I, I just, uh, I took to it because I thought, you know, here's an interesting group of people who are who really like each other, who share and are passionate. And um, I just took it from there and started teaching classes in uh, 2003. Uh, home brewer, I've brewed at some breweries, I've been lucky enough to do that. And, uh, you know, really enjoy uh, and I've watched it, watched the, the whole scene change over time and, and try adapt to it and, and get around and see what's going on. 
Yeah, for sure. Well, well, kind of speaking of the history, that's actually where we're going to be kind of starting uh, this podcast tonight. And so, you know, Philadelphia does obviously have a long history with beer as, you know, being one of the older cities in, in the country. And you start all the way back to the city's origins, either, you know, beer was part of that. And then on to at one point in 1793, the city was making the most beer in the nation. And then eventually they would be called a, a neighborhood would be called brewery town because of the influx of breweries in the late 19th and earliest 20th century. And so while the beer scene is obviously vastly different now, um, Peter, do you feel that Philadelphia's previous beer history has had kind of any kind of impact on today's craft breweries? Well, first of all, let me make it clear. I was not there then. So not there, but um, yeah, no doubt, because the German influence, um, you know, the Ortliebs, the Schmitz, the Schaefers, the German lagers, the, you know, the, the Germans, it was part of their life and they brought that with them when they came and being one of the biggest ports in the nation back in the late 1700s and 1800s meant that Germans came in with everyone else and they brought with them this, this fine uh, culture of lagers and, uh, you know, the very last one subsisted up in almost to the 80s. And I think that had a lot to do with uh, Philadelphia's focus on beer and the suburbs. Let's not forget that the, these people settled out in the suburbs. They worked in the coal mines. They, they set up breweries out there. And I think yeah, it just made for a culture that people, beer was just part of the life of a Philadelphian. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and that, that that is, you know, with some of these older cities, you know, Milwaukee, similar with like a, a brewing history that eventually has led to craft brew. But Tara, you, you mentioned in your introduction how you've obviously written books on like the history specifically with like women in brewing. But have you seen like how maybe Philadelphia's beer history has had an impact on what we currently see in the craft beer? Yeah. And actually, before I answer your direct question, I want to um, throw another name from Philly beer history out. And most people have never heard of her. Mary Lyle is considered or is on the books as being the first commercial brewer. No, first commercial brewery owner in the United States in colonial America in um, the 18th century. And her sister owned a malt house and it was in old city, Philadelphia. Um, so we've got some pretty amazing female, female beer history in Philly too, dating back since, you know, the founding of the country. Now, as far as how um, today's craft beer scene in the Philly area is influenced, um, Peter really touched on it and gave me a perfect springboard to um, what I think, which is that all of that German influence here in Pennsylvania meant that some of our craft breweries long before craft brewers would ever admit to even tasting a lager, much less drinking one, um, you know, they started as pretty German focused. We're talking about stouts, victory. Um, Penn Brewing you know, in Pittsburgh. Exactly. I was thinking of that too. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, Sly Fox, Trogues, they all have had flagship loggers since way back in the day. And then if you look at sort of a newer generation, not totally new, but a newer generation of the area's craft breweries, um, they also have flagship loggers that they put out on the market before loggers got cool. Um, and I'm thinking about like Neshaminy Creek, Churchville Lager, 2SP, Delco Lager. Um, so we just have this really strong lager, um, lager tradition here in Philly. Um, and so I think some of our breweries here make some of the 
best craft bloggers in the country because they've been doing it longer than most. Yeah, yeah for, if I could for, just, can I piggyback on a Tara? Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, Joel, to step no, absolutely. Here, but, but she's pointing out a couple of interesting trends that continue. I mean, you look at stouts, which is arguably the first brewery to open since Prohibition in Pennsylvania when they did. Uh, Carol Stout uh, was the you know, owner. I mean, to the, and she was a woman and she was the first brewer in Pennsylvania since Prohibition. And what motivated the Stouts um, largely was trips to Germany, tasting that beer and saying, we come back here in the 80s and there's nothing like this here. Why is there nothing like this here? So it kind of goes full circle, right? Uh, from going from Germany to America, America to Germany and coming on back. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, and that was, I, I, of the breweries that you guys mentioned, you know, I've been able to visit quite a few of them and another that you will probably maybe hit on later on human robot. Um, I love the loggers that they have there. That was another brewery that I visited uh, in our last year when I was in Philadelphia and just huge fan of what, of what they are doing. So I can definitely vouch. And I, for one, am happy that loggers are cool. Um, I love to drink them. <laughs> um, so uh, anyway, Tara now kind of like when, when you're looking at a map of, of the area of breweries, you know, there's quite a few, within the city that are kind of clustered toward the Northeast, kind of from the East Kensington neighborhood back towards center city. Is, is that an area where you would recommend visitors start when exploring local beer? And what other recommendations would you make if, if someone messaged you and was like, Hey, like I'm going to be in Philly for the weekend. I really want to check out all the local beer that I can. Where should I go? Um, usually it's a good thing that you are not the one asking me that because usually I will then follow up with about 15 questions. What kind of beer do you like? What vibe? <laughs> I'm blah, blah, the blah. same way. I'm the same <laughs> way. Don't worry. Um, it's sort of like when people ask me what restaurant they should go to because they're visiting Philly. I'm like, well, where do we start? Um, <laughs> but no, you've narrowed it down to a geographic question and yes, um, Fishtown and then, you know, Ken the Kensington area now, but more concentrated in the neighborhood of Fishtown is really where the largest cluster of brewery breweries are. That's where you're going to get the most bang for your buck. Um, and right around the Fishtown neighborhood is Kensington, like I mentioned, Northern Liberties, like I mentioned, and it's, um, within walking distance also, um, it's a bit of a decent walk, but definitely doable, um, from center city, old city, um, yards is pretty close to there so um you've got somewhat better established breweries in fishtown i'm not talking about like og breweries but some that have been there for a good number of years now and many more still opening um like dock street speaking of og female brewery owners rosemary Serto opened rosemary. um yep. dock street in the uh in the 80s as well um and she's just opening her newest location there in fishtown you know kind of as we speak yeah, for sure. Well, and Peter, Peter, what about you? What are some of your thoughts on kind of I mean, recommendations I'm, for visitors? I think I like you. I, I, I'm a visitor to many cities and obviously I'm looking for a cluster, right? I want to get somewhere and I want to be able to walk to three or four breweries and not have to worry about Ubering here and there. And, I, you know, if, if you're visiting, you kind of you want that experience. And I think, yeah, a little bit south of Fishtown, you know, in the Fairmount um, area, Callow Hill um Tara mentioned yards, which of course is a, a stalwart. And as with later on, I'm sure we'll talk about yards a lot because they, they start a lot of things. But right in that area, you've got Love City, you've got Triple Bottom, you've got Roy Pitts, you've got Urban Village. Um, there's just a ton of those places. And they're all, you can walk to all of them if you can walk after having. <laughs> them. 
you can get there. And I, I mean, you know, and it's a classic thing in a city that that's where the land was cheap, a fish town um, an area, industrial area. So breweries could afford to be stationed there. And um, once you have a couple in a neighborhood, you know, it becomes a destination. And I think that's what's happening there. And, um, you know, so in the city, if you want to do it all within walkable distance, you know, you can hit, you know, five or six really you know, remarkably good breweries. And I've done that. I can vouch for that because right. some of those names are, are very familiar to me from, from, from my time in Philadelphia. And outside of that, though, were there any other kind of areas, even if it's not within like the immediate city that you would recommend people if, you know, they have extra time and they, they, they want to check out some higher, like, are there any specific breweries that are worth the venture out? I guess I should say. You go, well, Tara. Um, Maniunk has a couple of breweries. Um, so that could be a little cluster and that's a fun little area with a lot of bars and not too far from Maniunk, kind of on the way is, uh, with a Hicken brewing, which has won some GABF awards and they're only a couple years old. So I'd say that could be worth a venture and it's on the river. So, um, well, Maniunk is the neighborhood. Um, so it's scenic. Um, and if you've got a car, um, the, you know, like Peter said before, don't sleep on the suburbs. Um, Jenkintown, for instance, is, I don't know what, like half an hour outside the city. Um, and the second human robot just opened there. And um, in that area, there are a couple. And then also Ambler, which is actually closer into the city, has some good breweries, too. And that's accessible by train. For sure. Yeah, Peter, Joel, do you have I any think, others to add? Well, yeah, I would just like to say that. I think it's important to be able to take public transport easily and, and for visitors to the city, um, you know, not to be intimidated to leave the city. I mean, if you're there to visit and you want to go on a beer run, you can hop on a train um, that's very safe and, and reasonable uh, and go out to the suburbs. You can, if you take, for example, the Paoli Lane out west, you can stop in Ardmore and go to a place like Tired Hands, which is pretty well renowned. Um, Again, you pop off the train and you could go further west, pop back on the train. You could go to La Cabra and Berwyn. Um, you know, you could go to Conchhocken Brewing. They have a number of places around. So, you know, I think of Philadelphia as much as the city is the heart. There's it, it's the tri-state area. And thank goodness as an old eastern city. We've got public transportation so you can have a few beers and pop on the train and, and just get back to your hotel without a problem. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, and I was able to, you know, like I said, Philadelphia, but also, as you mentioned, you know, you're not that far, you know, there's lots of good breweries, you know, New Jersey, Delaware, there's that whole metro area. There's a lot of great, great breweries. And I'm happy to hear all the shout outs too. you guys are doing a great job making sure that I can <laughs> plug in and tag all the different breweries. Uh, but so anyway, kind of moving on to the next topic, uh, Peter, I really want to hear more about Philly, Philly Beer Week, excuse me, you know, kind of the history behind it, the events, what it means to the city and whatever else you think uh, listeners would like to hear? Well, I mean, I can tell you this and, and, you know, in full disclosure, I, I knew the question was coming. Um, Philly Beer Week really was, and I'm, I threw back that book and cook reference um, that ended in the early nineties uh, and a bunch of the real beer, I don't know we call it, beer cognoscenti of Philadelphia, Tom Peters and, you know, George Hummel and some people like Tom Keogh and all, and they're sitting around going, this is over, but we want to do more celebration of beer in Philadelphia. Could we sustain an entire week of events? So it was before, really, I don't know of any other cities that were doing it as formally and purposefully as Philadelphia did. They it was realized the first. I'm going to jump yeah. in. It was the first one. Excellent. And they realized that there was this opportunity. So 
these guys got together um, and, you know, they set up a website and they started doing it. Um, it was started out as a regional event. I think early on the suburbs realized it really wasn't for them. Um, it didn't really bring a lot of people out to beer places outside of Philadelphia. Um, we did some things, we did some events. I did, a, I did a beer train crawl back and forth to Philadelphia with uh, Joe Sixpack or Don Russell, who is a, a renowned Philadelphia beer writer then. Um, but, um, I, you know, it kind of changed over time. I think there was some, as everything became more formal, people wanted to have more control. Um, they had a, a, um, some people run it. And uh, I think there was some infighting. And, you know, it, it doesn't mean as much now as it used to because Philadelphia's beer culture now is so pervasive that other than just recognizing that we're doing it, I don't know that it, it makes that much difference anymore. People know where to go. Uh, but in its time, it was a groundbreaking thing. I think it really was. For sure. Uh, Tara, what do you have to add to that? Yeah. I mean, you covered a lot of ground there, Peter. Um, it was such a highlight of the year um, and such a highlight of the global beer scene at its in its heyday. I mean, we had brewers, you know, old guys coming from Belgium, like talk about bold faced names. I mean, there were brewers yeah. who were untouchable who would come to Philly for that 10 days. True, it's called true. a week, but it was always 10 days. And I don't think I'm remembering incorrectly at its height. Um, there were a thousand events over 10 days. And I wow. know that sounds impossible, but I remember what, what kind of events that. all were there then? What kind of all like crazy anything stuff. beer dinners um educational panels meet the brewers uh vertical tastings the suburbs got involved they had like the uh -huh. r5 crawl that's the name of a commuter train yep. peter what else do you uh festival street fairs. i remember going to a beer breakfast downtown which was a uh, coffee stout with chocolate covered bacon oh that sounds good you know, there you go <laughs> <laughs> that kind of stuff uh you know they people did all kinds of things ideas, uh, you know, everything from a quizzo to just, you know, crazy stuff. Of course, you know, the, the tapping, the, 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 the first tap and the hammer of what do they call it? Thing? Hammer, it hammer of glory. Hammer it's of like glory. The mascot. <laughs> yeah, people would traipse around the city with the, you know, in costumes and, and, yeah. and floats. Sorry, I'm talking over you. I get excited. No, it's all true. <laughs> that, that is the spirit of Philly beer week. Yeah, and every year, I don't know if this is still the case, but um, opening tap, the mayor would yeah. um, tap the first keg. Um, the Four Seasons was involved. They had a beer garden. I mean, we're talking like high end Philly. Phil, the Philly Tourism Bureau hosted a beer garden throughout the whole week. And um, yeah, it, it to some extent, it became a bit of a victim of its own success because every city in the, in the world followed suit. And then they all, you know, launched beer weeks, which is awesome. But then it meant that, you know, it got adulterated. We weren't getting brewers from around the world necessarily. And it, it has kind of petered out a little bit. Um, some members resigned from the board last year in light of the Me Too um, exposés. And so I think they're sort of trying to figure out their identity and, and how they want to sort of rebuild going forward. But yeah. it, it was in its time, not only. It was just important because it people linked up. And so that whole idea of the collaboration, right, where they collaborated, competitors collaborated and shared. They would make, for example, a brew at four brew houses all the same ingredients, but they tasted different. That's you right. say, how could that be? How could this be? You're using all the same ingredients. Well, it was house flavor. If you made it at Victory or you made it at Yards or you made it uh, at Sly Fox, 
somehow it tasted just a little bit different and, and everybody served at each other's restaurants and it was just it was just a wonderful thing and i think it was that's part of what makes you know beer culture so important it it's not the same anymore but maybe it, it's not supposed to be <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, uh, you guys have convinced me that if I ever get access to a time machine, yeah, it sounds like I need to go back to uh, Philly and whatever. I don't know what what you didn't mention what what the exact peak year would have been, but I didn't need to figure that out, obviously, because uh, that that sounds like an absolutely fabulous time. Um, well, I think oh, sorry, we're ahead, in our. Sarah. This would have been like year. I want to say around twelve, and so if you go like four, five, six years in. So I don't know. I would say maybe like 2014-ish, 2015, yeah, right? Sounds right. Sounds right. Sounds right. And you're making me so sentimental talking about it, Peter, actually, because there were, there used to be two beer events and the annual Philly calendar that I would never miss. An opening tap was one of them. I was mm-hmm. like, so there. At, oh, yeah, I miss it. <laughs> that, that sounds amazing. Well, so now... Uh, Looking here, you know, as is the case with many of the other kind of older cities on the East Coast, a lot of the breweries have repurposed older buildings. You know, Love City, Second District, Evil Genius, uh, Mana Young. Those are just some examples of this. So, Tara, do you fe- do you have any favorites from like an just a purely experience standpoint? And does this kind of help the beer scene showcase the city's history in a unique way? Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, I yeah, I want to think talk about human robot for a second. Um, so human robot has two locations. Now the first one, um, is in the city and it took over an older brewery called St. Benjamin's, which was a 19th century brewery originally. Um, actually it was the stables for the brewery. And, um, when it opened it as St. Ben's, um, my friend, Christina Burris was the head brewer and the co-owner and she's an archaeologist archaeological, no, architectural conservator. And so she went into this building. It had been abandoned for God knows how many years. And it was like in the middle of BFE, which is now totally bumping, (laughs) you know, thank you breweries. Um, And she did a lot of restoration work on the building. And um, you can still see sort of evidence of some things there. Um, remnants from the stables and whatnot. Um, if you go to human robot and then human robots, new location, um, is in a building that's out in the burbs. Like I said, in Jenkintown, it's in, um, a building from the 1920s that was, um, designed by the architect who designed the Philadelphia museum of art and everybody listening knows the Rocky steps. (laughs) That's the Philly art museum. Um, so that's one. Another one to point out is um, Philly Brewing Company, yeah, yeah, also in a 19th century brewery that was abandoned for decades. And they've just got this really cool space. They've got a big um, upstairs, which is pretty vast. And then downstairs is this cozy little bar that that's dark and you just sort of like rub elbows with strangers and this great beer garden behind it. Um, and I just, I don't get there very often, but I'm always really sort of stoked and like a, Ooh, I get to come here and be in this dark little bar that we don't have a lot of here in Philly. So, so um, those would be two that I would, that I would highlight. Yeah. I, mean, sure. I can tell you, Tara, absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned both of those. Uh, I remember the first time going to, uh, you know, the St. Benjamin's and going, my gosh, what a cool place. Just just cool to look at. And you you felt imbued with the history of beer just by being there. Uh, and yeah, going to ben, first it was Yards. And then, of course, in the when they split and became Philly uh, Brewing, that facility um, 
which was an old brewery, uh, what they did was they had a guy come in, Rich Wagner. Rich was an unknown brewer historian who kept logs and pictures of all of these things. And he would get up there and he would tell stories about Philadelphia brewing and he'd have a, his wife would be running the PowerPoint and he would be telling his stories and they were great. And they, you know, talked about prohibition, talked about this and that. So they, they were totally on, on the idea that people want to know about that line from the past to now and having that building helped. And I do want to put a shout out to Triple Bottom. Um, Triple Bottom, which is a fabulous place. Beer is really good, but also, you know, it's, it's going for that Triple Bottom line. So they're ESG. They're thinking about helping people who are not easily employed and giving back to the neighborhood. And their facility is in an old building that was an abandoned railroad, uh, I think it was, you know, Penn Railroad office building or something that was sitting there forever, just as this, you know, nasty looking building. And uh, they took it on and uh, turned it into something that's becoming a hub for the neighborhood. So it's a great story. And it's, um, it's great for these neighborhoods. It, it's a, you know, it's a tent pole for everything else. Absolutely. Well, I mean, that's, I, I personally love whenever I visit a brewery and it's very evident that it's in a historical building and that it previously was, you know, a variety of different businesses. Uh, and that's why I always take my notebook with when I'm doing my brewery visits, because I want to make sure that I'm taking the notes and remembering these things, because it is important. It's a really cool way to kind of showcase the city and oftentimes like the specific neighborhoods, you know, whether it was, you know, around like the railroads or it was a business district, you know, whatever the case may be. Uh, it's a, it's a really unique kind of facet to, to the beer industry. Uh, so now, yeah. So well, go ahead. Say one other thing. Uh, yeah, go go for it. Time, Both of you guys. Sorry on this. Cause I think it's important. I think it's symbolic of what Philadelphia is a great beer town because Philadelphia is an urban center, but it's close. We're closer than that. We're more of a community than most cities, I think. And by doing this, by putting a brewery in, a, in an urban place, it just it just creates even more of a community. It's not like, I mean, I remember going to these breweries in Manhattan and a lot of them are gone because they couldn't afford to be there. But, you know, you you were in a city and you went in and it was, oh, it was a bar, but oh, it was a brewery. Here, you're, you're walking into a community place. This is their people's place, the neighborhood place. And by putting it in a building that was abandoned in a neighborhood that maybe is trying to come back, it's very Philly to me. And I think it's one of the examples that makes us a little different. Tara, did you have anything you wanted to add? Yeah, that's so heartwarming. I'm actually sitting in Manhattan right now. Sorry, <laughs> like, sorry. Oh, Philly. oh no, heck. I've always, always, always argued that Philly is a much better, I mean, Brooklyn's probably surpassed us at this point, but back in the day, New York had nothing on Philly like a decade ago. Um, yeah, I mean, this doesn't necessarily help your potentially visiting listeners, um, Joel, but you mentioned the brewery town neighborhood. Um, some of those old breweries are now resident and office buildings. And, um, you know, there are whole blocks that used to be brewery complexes, right? And, mm -hmm. um, you know, we just take that sort of thing for, so for granted here because there's so many old buildings. But I think about my best friend who lives in Santa Rosa, California, which is like one of my favorite places on earth, but they don't have history. And she gets so excited when she comes to visit me, even at like some silly pumping station or something, because it's, mm -hmm. it's, from the 1800s. And so we have old brewer, breweries, old and new that are just part of our fabric that just integrate themselves into the landscape so naturally that we forget to notice. 
And, and it's not ex it's not exclusive. I mean, you can walk into these places. You don't feel weird. It's not like people are going to turn around and go, who are you? They're welcoming because they, they want people to come in and be and, and share the neighborhood with them, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something I can relate to. You know, Milwaukee's got very similar. We have the campus built, like the campus of building for uh, Schlitz mm -hmm. and Paps. And those places have all become their own neighborhoods where it's like, different businesses and housing developments as you said like the milwaukee bucks even have their main offices in part of the old schlitz park up in like the mm -hmm. fifth or whatever floor of the old stock house and uh you know mm -hmm. it's, it's a really cool way to kind of revitalize these neighborhoods after these old historic breweries no longer obviously are, are functioning there uh but now kind of moving on to the, to the next topic I, I think we mentioned uh monks at one point but monks cafe has often been a place that you will see on lists of best beer bars, whether you're talking regionally or nationally. And so, uh, Peter, in, including monks, do you feel that beer bars seem to kind of hold a special place in Philadelphia beer culture in comparison to other cities? Oh, yeah, I do. And I think it's because the reawakening of beer in the area um, did start slowly, like it did everywhere else. And we've thrown out names like Dock Street and Yards as being early, early breweries, but they didn't have much depth back then. They, they really could, they brewed three or four things. And so these beer bars were the things that a lot of real beer fans clustered in. And it was sort of like a think tank for beer fans because they were all in there. And whether it was monks or even before that, uh, around the art museum, Bridget's, um, Michael Notre Dame in London, um, Green Street Cafe. There are these little clusters of beer bars where you were getting things like Belgian beer and German, uh, unusual German beers. And you had a wide array of different things to try and learn from that you really couldn't get at the few breweries that were starting up. So people really started to, to, to liken these places and you'd see the same people. You'd see them and you go, these are the beer people. And they're here. Uh, there's a place called the Foodery which uh, there's still some of these offshoots that was a takeout place. You could get, you know, not just Chimay, but beers that you'd never seen before and take them home and try them. Um, they really filled the gap while the brewing industry started to mature and, and, and pop up and give you more diverse opportunities. So places like Monks um, and eventually Standard Tap, uh, William Reed, who is a, <laughs> I got to tell you, William Reed, I met, when he was the brewer at the Sam Adams Brew Pub, which was an extract brewery, mind you, in the 80s in Philadelphia. I don't know how they did it, but they made a deal with Sam Adams, a guy named David Mink, who ran a place called the Oyster House. And they put this little extract brewery in this room, and it was a Sam Adams brewery. This guy, William Reed, uh, brewed it. He eventually went, I think, up to Boston and worked up there. And then he came back to Philadelphia, and he created the Standard Tap, which has become you know, one of the centers of um, – beer world in Philadelphia. All these beer bars are really the foundation for a lot of people's uh, culture and, and interest in beer. Absolutely. Uh, Tara, what are your thoughts on kind of beer bars, Philadelphia monks, just kind of the whole idea behind them? Yeah. I mean, I've been nodding like crazy throughout everything Peter has been saying. Um, I, yeah. I mean, cause you're, you're sort of letting me launch in a lot of places off what you're saying. I was also going to say that, right, um, we have had such a deep beer culture here for so long, but there weren't a lot of breweries in the city necessarily at first, um, you know, real estate being what it is. Um, so the beer bars really filled in because we were getting 
beers here in Philly first from around the world, like Peter said, like a lot of Belgian beers made, a lot of, a lot of Belgian breweries made Philly its test market for the United States. Um, and we had um, something that a lot of cities didn't have, which was that we had this dazzling variety. You could go into a beer bar and get all kinds of different styles. We weren't like the West Coast where, you know, it'd be like nine out of 10 IPA taps or anything. Um, and then also... Even the non-beer bars really embraced craft beer in a wholehearted way very early. I mean, I can't tell you how many times around like 2010 to 2013 and then moving forward, you go into just like your average corner bar and they've got this ridiculous, they would have this ridiculous draft selection um, because it is such a neighborhood sort of city and it does tend overall to be kind of a blue collar city that the corner bar is sort of like an institution institution in town, but it, they were, they're shrewd business people and saw all the craft beer that was around them and realized, you know, what the margins were. This is what people wanted. The neighborhoods were gentrifying and it really brought together like Memphis Tap Room, for instance. Um, we brought that up before, like that was a, that was like, they got mad at me once when I put this in print, but it was like an old man bar. Right. And then, sure. um, and like a very blue collar neighborhood. And then some people came and turned it into a beer bar, but they kept with like ridiculous beer, but they kept some of that old clientele. They kept a lot of the old traditional like pierogies and stuff that had been on the menu. And so it, it was like a nicely integrated, the bars were very nicely integrated. Um, you know, like I said, even like the divey bars, because they'd have like their traditional clientele from the neighborhood and then great beer. So then other people like new newcomers to the neighborhood and would would come. And then also it would be a de it'd be destinations for people that I was sort of rambling. Sorry, but you get what no. I mean. <laughs> it's, it's all about it's all about uh, rambling. But yeah, you're right. And in fact, I remember there was a, uh, a, a hotel in Center City. They had a restaurant or anything called I think it was Elephant and Castle. And this is, you know, in the in, I don't know, early 90s, late 90s, they had Chimay. And we would go in there and order a bottle of Chimay. And to our amazement, we got the, the bomber, you know, the full-sized Chimay bottle for $7. We're like, this is incredible. So we used to go there a lot, probably more than any sane person would, until they realized that they had the price for the 12-ounce bottle on the menu. And they were serving, you know, the full-sized <laughs> bomber on there. Uh, so we had a good time for a while there. So some people didn't know exactly what they had, but they knew Belgian beer was hot in Philadelphia. And thanks to Tom Peters and all of his influence to be the, the person who helped uh, make that happen. Absolutely. Well, so we've we've mentioned, you know, talked about a lot of breweries, a lot of beers. So now uh, I'm going to task you each with coming up with a flight of four beers to kind of represent the Philadelphia beer scene. And this can focus on a, on a style, you know, certain breweries, one-offs, flagships, whatever you, you see fit. Uh, Tara, you can lead the way on this one. Um, so, yeah, I think a couple iconic um, Philly beers are... And forgive me, I'm a little old school too, so I'm gonna draw heavily from sort of the that is perfectly. Depth. I said personal, yeah, it's all up to you guys. That is 100%. Um, so I'm gonna go with okay, can I have more than four? I think I have six. 
I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Like on, okay. on, the, I, on the, on the graph, maybe start with your first four and then do two bonuses. Cause on the, on the, I have like little formats that I'll post them for, but start with your first four and then, then we can add in some, some honorable mentions as well. Okay. That sounds good. So two from yards, the yards pale ale, which was their first flagship. And then the brawler. Um, cause that's what most Philadelphians end up talking about these days anyway, as opposed to like over the pale ale, it's like the brawler, um, victory golden monkey, um, trogues troganator. Sorry. That's a bit of field from Philly, but I, I embrace it. And, um, also victory summer love, which was brewed actually originally for Philly beer week. Absolutely. No, that, that, that that's great. Uh, Peter, what about you? Do you have anything else? Uh, or well, she what, said what everything I was going to say. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> we didn't, we did not compare notes, but I, I, just to emphasize, you know, F F Yards Philly Pale Ale comes in first for me, not just because it's a great beer and it's, you know, um, symbolic of Yards, which is one of the earliest and, you know, still continues to be one of the best breweries in Philadelphia. But, but it had been um, George Hummel, who was also someone who was really one of the starters of a lot of Philadelphia brewers. He, he ran uh, brew, uh, brew your own beer, home, home sweet home brew, a home brew store. And he helped Yards and Tom Keogh, who runs Yards, reformulate Philly Pale Ale into what it is now, which is a fabulous beer. And um, so there's, you know, those stories matter. Um, you mentioned victory. I got to say the Baltic Thunder uh, comes to mind because it's such a solid beer and, Again, the history of that beer is really interesting because this guy named Tom Baker, who was the one who created that beer for a brewery called Heavyweight way back when in Jersey. And he decided to get out of brewing because he said, this is too successful. I don't didn't plan to be a brewer. I, and he sold that recipe to Victory and they make it they make it really well. And um, then he decided to get back in the business. So if you want to see Tom Baker's brews again, you can go to. Uh, Germantown area to um, Earth Bread and Brewing, or his uh, really cool place with his wife uh, out in the Fairmont area called Bar. How do you say it? Bar Higgy? Haiga. Haiga? Uh, I can't see it. But you'll know when you're there. It's fabulous <laughs> on Fairmont Avenue. Um, so those those come in. And I do have to say the Love City Lagers are great. Um, would like to fill that out. Um, with with the beer there and uh, and Trogues, Trogues is probably I'd probably throw Mad Elf in there because oh, so course. many people relate to Mad Elf yeah. as a, a, a Christmas beer and it, it certainly was it's it's a headache in a bottle from an alcohol perspective but hey you know it's it's Christmas so that, that's what they do so I'll just give you those. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I'll throw, a, like I said, I don't have the experience and I won't include myself in the graphic, but um, my four my four favorites, I'll throw in because we talked so much about lagers. My favorite beer from Philadelphia was the Czech 10 Czech Pale Lager from uh, Human Robot. Uh, and then I also love the Smoked Hellas Lager uh, called Glow from Triple Bottom. Um, and then my other two are kind of more wild cards that were from my first visit to Philly back in like 2017. And so these beers probably don't even exist anymore. Um, cause that's the, the nature of, cause they weren't from like flagships or anything from the main breweries, but I had a guava IPA from evil genius and then a blood orange Goza from crime and punishment. Uh, mm. so those were two beers that I, I really loved, but I will say that the, the loggers were, when I when I think back to on my time in Philly, you also mentioned Love City. That's the loggers there for my 700th brewery visit. 
loggers are what kind of come to mind for me too. So that that's awesome to hear from the locals as well, that that happens to be, you know, what you guys feel Philly does best. Um, and now kind of speaking of the breweries, I know we've mentioned a lot of names. Uh, are there three breweries that we've discussed or maybe haven't mentioned that you want to kind of give a special shout out to for one reason or another, Peter? Well, you know, right now I'm sort of stationed out in the burbs. So, um, and some really fine breweries have started to appear there and, and some of them have opened up tap rooms back in the city. Um, I got to say tired hands. Um, you know, I'm not a huge fan personally of the milkshake beer. They, they were really in front of that and got a lot of attention early on, but what a lot of people don't know, and I not to beat the lager thing to the ground, but they make fabulous lagers. They've got the horizontal tanks. They've got the recipes. They've got uh, Hellas that's just, you know, really clean and, and great. And uh, they still make all the crazy beers, too. Um, and uh, I actually um, a big fan of La Cabra out in Berwyn. Uh, everything they make there, I feel, is very good. Um, a favorite of mine is uh, they have a hipster catnip. IPA, which is a great name, but they also have a lower uh, alcohol version called Little Hipster, which uh, fits my uh, alcohol profile. And maybe lastly, and on the burbs here, 2SP, which we mentioned once before, um, everything they make is solid. Uh, from Sprung from the family of Iron Hill, which really doesn't get a lot of credit, but without Iron Hill, which is a chain, a local chain, and now is spread out, I think, across the country. Without them, a lot of the breweries that we have out here wouldn't have started because they're sort of like a petri dish of brewers. So I just throw some some names out like that. But there's plenty others like Sterling Pig. I'd love to also say. I yeah, for that. sure. Well, 2SP, I remember that speaking of lagers again, my favorite beer. I, I did get a 2SP and their Pony Boy Golden Lager was my favorite of, of my flights. So um, but anyway, Tara, I don't know how many more times we can mention lagers, but uh, the floor <laughs> is yours now. Actually, my top two breweries that I want to recommend, I'm not recommending them for lagers. In fact, one of them, I don't even think they make any lagers. Um, Good. We need so, some diversity. <laughs> <laughs> we do make other things besides lagers, um, but we do really kill it on those. Um, so, okay. Uh, the first one I want to mention is this teeny hole in the street, not even a hole in the wall. It's underground, literally, um, in Fishtown called Fermentary Form. It, it, it probably has like maybe five, six seats. It's totally like a little wine cave cellar thing. And it's all mixed culture. And they probably make the most esoteric beers in Philly. Um, don't bring your newbie friend. They might not get it, but the atmosphere is super cool and they don't have a phone. I don't think. And they basically like turn on a light outside the, uh, the cellar door to indicate that they're open. Um, so that's a lot of fun if you're looking for like, yeah, just hop in. They were on my radar when I visited, but I remember because they're open by like sometimes by announcement only, they are very limited that I wasn't able to get there. So that, that is one of my, definitely on my wish list for whenever I get back again. It is, it is, it, I'm like speechless. It's so worth it. Yeah. Um, and the other one, I do not know why forest in Maine doesn't get more love. They, I mentioned yeah. Ambler, the suburb. Um, before and uh, Forest and Maine is out in Ambler. Um, they make some of the best saisons I've ever had. Um, like every saison I've ever tried from them, I'm like, damn, that's good. And I'll right put it on. down and then right I'll take on. another sip. Yep. I'll be like, damn, that's good. 
damn, that's good. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, you're right on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're, they're great. They're great. And the people are really nice. They are. And actually, one of their newest brewers, maybe their newest brewer, is a woman named Avery from Iron Hill. There you go. There we there go. go. I, have to Iron, I know that I know that Iron Hill's got a whole bunch of uh, locations kind of all around the area, but I did make my my one visit for an Iron Hill was in a Medina. Is it Medina? Am I saying that Medina? I don't know. Uh, media. Uh, media. 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 Oh. Yes. <laughs> media. Yeah, I had that. I had that wrong. Yep. That's, that's what I had written Cole down Medina wrong. is what you're thinking of. Right? Yes. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yep, that's right. Uh, but so I did make that. That was where I, I got to uh, there. But uh, Tara, did you have one more? I can't remember if I cut you off before you said the other one. No, I, I said I was going to do two. But as long as I have oh, the yeah. floor, um, like if Might you're, well. I don't want to send people out of Philly. But if you happen to be in Philly for like a month, we mm -hmm. there's only one thing in the entire state of Delaware that Philadelphia claims oh, as local, and it's Dogfish Head. It's yeah. not too long a drive, especially if you can stay down there. There are several dogfish locations now, um, yep. and I don't really need to tell your listeners about the just abundant amazingness that is. Oh dogfish. yeah, and they've I've got been to their been to their main location. It you was have. phenomenal in every in every stretch of the imagination. Yeah, I'm yes. so glad you mentioned that because yeah. you really can't look at the history because because Sam was here. I mean, Sam was right. came to Philadelphia Sam with came George to these and Nancy. Yeah, Brewing. And, they, and he was at those book and cook events, uh, serving dogfish beer to everybody. So he, as much as he's not Philadelphia, he's Philadelphia. That's Absolutely. A great point. So all great names, lots, lots for uh, people to be able to take in. And I want to thank you both, Peter and Tara, so much for coming on and talking to me about the Philadelphia beer scene. This has been an absolute wonderful conversation. I have learned more. I'm sure the listeners have as well. And I want to get back to Philly because I know that I've, I've been to a decent number of breweries there, but there's obviously way more for me to get to. Uh, like, like you mentioned, the, the, the fermentory form is very high on my wish list. I had actually forgotten about it until you said that. That Then as soon as you said that, I'm like, that's the place that I couldn't get to when we were there last time. And I really wanted to. So um, good, good to have that kind of put back in, into my memory. So we'll kind of wrap things up here. If you guys have any final thoughts, conclusions about the Philadelphia craft beer scene, why people should come check it out, et cetera, et cetera, as well as ways uh, people can find you or reach out to you. If uh, they have any kind of follow questions or need advice, if they are visiting a uh, Peter. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, on my, my website's beerappreciation.com had it going since 2003. Um, and so I'm happy to offer people recommendations. I, I've done it before. Um, it's it. And, you know, the Philadelphia beer scene continues to change. Um, I, I know I've talked a lot about the past here, but the, the, the future is great too, because uh, people understand that you build off history and that, that that's what makes Philadelphia kind of unique because we've got all that going on as well. So I just invite everyone to come out and visit and have a great time. And uh, Philadelphia is respect, respects beer and respects beer people. So you'll be welcomed. Absolutely. And uh, Tara? I love that. Um, yeah, Philly, I, I have made Philly my adopted home. I am not from this area. I plan to be here for the rest of my life. Um, there is so much to do here. I mean, we have a lot of everything, whether it's music, art, 
food, obviously history, but all kinds of history, really funky stuff like medical oddity museums and a hist and a museum of death and, uh, and cheesesteaks and cheese and steaks. Che of course the cheesesteaks you shouldn't miss those they are good um so there there are things for everybody to do even non beer drinkers in your party um as far as finding me and um staying in touch i mean obviously i will plug the book i'll say the title again it's a woman's absolutely brew house <laughs> um and that is available online in brick and mortar stores on my website, et cetera, which is taranurin.com. And I'm Tara Nurin on all the main social platforms. And will you put my name up or should I spell it? <laughs> um, it'll be in the show notes and everything. So people will be able to find it. No worries. Oh, that's Just right. Like and we're audio sounds. on that TV. Right. Yes. Like yes. <laughs> Do not worry. Yes. People, people will be able to read that. So um, thank you guys both again so much. This has been an absolute blast. And, if you are a new listener, you can find me on Twitter at Brewery Travels, on Instagram at Brewery underscore Travels, and as well as the website, thebrewerytravels.com, where you can find old articles that I've written, uh, the interactive brewery visit map, links to the pod past podcast episodes if you need that as well. Uh, and as always, remember, whether it's where you're living or where you're visiting, be sure to drink local everywhere. Cheers, everyone. Does it feel like I'm